Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Illuminate Student Ministries. Listen as Pastor Paul speaks on a victim mindset during the first week of Glorious Purpose. New series, Glorious Purpose. Glorious Purpose. All right, let's do it. All right, Uh, you can raise your hand because I think we've all kind of asked this question. How many of you guys have asked this question? What is my purpose? Okay, I think all of us has a- have asked that at some point. Uh, some of you probably more recently than others. Is my collar okay? I just felt it kind of coming up because I got a fresh cut. Oh. All right, so, all right, so anyways, I feel like as soon as we realize in our lives that there's more to life than waking up, going to school, going to play basketball with your friends, eating dinner, going to sleep, and then repeating, I feel like once we start to realize there's more than that, we start to ask ourselves, well, dang, like, what am I going to do? Like, what's my purpose? Uh, the church way of putting it is, what is my calling? Okay. Well, do you guys remember when we talked about assignment, calling, and identity? Do you guys remember? Okay. Um, maybe we should revisit that at some point. Um, but anyways, um, I did. This is different. All right. So... So we've all kind of asked, what is my purpose? Well, I have uh, some information for you. You ready? Be ready to write this down. Tonight, you will not find out what your purpose is. We're we're not going to talk about what your purpose is. There, oh my gosh. (laughs) It's writing down. All right. So I'm not going to give you, here's the issue. I think so many people try to narrow down purpose to like five bullet points. Be like, hey, if I do this, 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 and this, then I'm fulfilling purpose. But in reality, no man can really tell you what your purpose is. You, can, The Holy Spirit can tell you what your pers- purpose is. The Holy Spirit will tell you what your purpose is. And then man can come in and um, not solidify that, but echo it and kind of like confirm it. But if you ever get your purpose from a man or like, not just like a man, but like humanity. If you ever get your purpose from humanity, it's gonna be so frail. How many of you guys have ever remembered when um, someone was trying to give you like a piece of advice or whatever, and it was kind of something you didn't wanna hear. They were trying to give you a piece of advice and it didn't really stick. And you're like, I don't wanna do this. But then Holy Spirit tells you the same thing and you're like, oh, it just makes sense. So like man isn't designed to tell you what your purpose is. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you what your purpose is. So that's why I'm not going to give you a list of five things that you're supposed to do, but I will sum up man's purpose in one scripture. Okay. You ready? So it's first Corinthians 10 31. First Corinthians 10 31. And it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, so whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's your purpose. Okay. Amen. So whether first Corinthians 10, 31. Oh, love it. Do you need another one? Do you want one of my good ones? Heads up. All right. So first Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Each of us is designed for glorious purpose, right? You see that subtle plug? Oh my God, he's over time now. Um, That in everything we do, 
we should be giving glory to God. Am I freaking you out, staring you dead into your soul? Okay, well, I'm going to keep doing it. And at, no. All right, so in everything we do, we are to give glory to God. That's our glorious purpose. And we're going to dive more into that over the coming weeks of the month of February. It's going to be great. Um, but tonight, I don't want to talk to you about what your purpose is. I want to talk to you about a roadblock to fulfilling purpose. I want to talk to you about one roadblock to fulfilling purpose. You ready? Give me a drum roll. Babe, did you know this? Keep drum rolling. Did you know this? Maybe not. When you chose song three, the roadblock to purpose, victim mentality. Victim mentality. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Holy Spirit. See, he knew the purpose. Ooh. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about a roadblock to fulfilling purpose, victim mentality. All right. A person with victim mentality believes three things and some other things, but three core things that cause them to walk into victim mentality. One, say one. one. Bad things have happened in the past and they will continue to happen to me in the future. That's the first thing victims believe. Bad things have happened to me in the past and they will continue to happen to me in the future. This gnat has been alive for what I feel like eternity. He, he just keeps coming back. Woo. All right. Number two, others are to blame for my misfortune. That's the second thing victims believe. Others are to blame for my misfortune. All right. Number three, you ready? There is no point in trying to make a change because it will not work. Others are to blame for your misfortune. O-T-H-E-R-S. No? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. So what's number one? Shout it out, go. Number two. Number three. All right, does that sound like a fun place to live? No. All right, all right, all right. So I'll say number three again. There is no point in trying to make a change because it will not work. You know, if you keep talking, it actually slows down your typing. Exactly. There is no point in trying to make a change because it will not work. All right, here's what I want you to write down. It's kind of lengthy. But I want you to get this. You ready? I'm sorry. Maybe it's your paper. All right. A victim mentality will keep you from ever fulfilling purpose. Because, well, let me just say it and then I'll let you write it down. All right. A victim mentality will keep you from ever fulfilling purpose because victims are committed to their hurts becoming part of their identity. Victims are committed to their hurts becoming part of their identity. So what that is saying is that a victim is committed that whatever wrong has happened to them, whatever hurt they felt in this world, they're committed to it becoming part of their identity, a part of who they are. And if you're going, oh my gosh, I left out the G. So if you're going, 
If you're going to accomplish anything in the kingdom, you have to refuse to be a victim to your circumstance. I'll say it again. A victim mentality will keep you from ever fulfilling purpose because victims are committed to their hurts becoming part of their identity. If you're ever going to accomplish anything in the kingdom, you have to be adamant to refuse to partner with a victim mentality and to be a victim to your circumstances. Mm. No, if you're ever going to accomplish anything in the kingdom, if you're, ever gonna, if you're ever going to accomplish anything in the kingdom, you have to refuse to be victims to your circumstance. Because what happens is when you um, are a victim to your circumstance, you never move. You never do anything, right? That was the third thing that victim mentality people do is they, they don't do anything because it's never going to work and others are to blame for my misfortune. So why would I ever do anything that requires any sort of boldness or courage? And everything inside the kingdom takes boldness and courage. Question. Yeah. So a victim mentality, um, a victim mentality will keep you from ever fulfilling purpose because victims are committed to their hurts becoming part of their identity. If you're going to accomplish anything in the kingdom, you have to refuse to be victims to your circumstance. All right, I'm going to move this right here. Oh, that's fine. Oh, if you paraphrase, it doesn't count. <laughs> okay, is that cool? All right. I see what you mean. We see what you mean. All right. All right. All right, so listen, there has to be, you ready? There has to be a refusal for victim ideas to ever be a part of your identity. The world and the enemy that we live in, like it's gonna try all sorts of, of, of avenues to try and stamp you with something like a victim would have. Okay. So, um, I've asked Isaac to come on up. He's going to be my guinea pig today. Give a round of applause for Isaac Bean. All right. Yeah, it's perfect. All right. So, uh, in the words of my good friend, Nolan Howell, um, we're not going to give the, the devil any glory, right? So we're not going to glorify the devil and talk about, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. The devil's already a defeated foe, and he's not worth our time to even mention. However, the Bible does say not to be ignorant of his schemes, so let's talk about that a little bit, okay? So the enemy of your soul hates you. Did you know that? He hates you. Do you know why he hates you? Because you're so amazing. Nisi has no problem with self-worth, and I love it. Um, there's a difference between high self-worth and pride, and finding, and we don't know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but she does have a, but anyways, we'll, I love it, I love it. Okay, so here's why the enemy hates you so much, because you innately have, hey, you guys innately have something that he desired for a very long time that he could never attain. Why did I just flick my hair? That was weird. It just kind of happened. It was like a little. Um, you innately have something that the enemy has longed for uh, forever. What happened when he tried to ascend the hill of the Lord? 
she got struck down like lightning. So um, the the devil, uh, or as we call him, Lucifer, um, the dummy, didn't want to um, be above God, but he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be on the same playing field as God. So he tried to ascend to be like God and then was struck down as a, as a result of that. But then God creates humanity. And what does he say? I made them in his own image. He made them in his image. So the enemy is so against you because you innately have as a child of God, something that he could never attain. You bear the resemblance of the father. And so that's why he's such, he's such an enemy after that. I was just supposed to be a drive-by, but that really wrecked you guys. I love it. All right. So, because here's the thing, God put his glory inside you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. You had the glory of God in you. And so that's why the enemy of your soul is so adamantly against you. Okay. So um, what will happen is the enemy, like I said, we don't want to glorify, but you got to understand what he does. The enemy will try to twist that image. If he can ever get you to realize that, oh, I don't house glory. Oh, I'm not made with purpose. Oh, I don't have anything of value in me. If he can do that, he brings you right back down to where he's at. He's just trying to level the playing field and strip the glory that's already innately built in you. And so what he does is he tries to put labels on you. And if he can get your agreement, he's got it. Okay. So, so he's a jelly boy. All right. So here's what happens. Isaac, turn around, look in that mirror. Oh, you got a backup. All right. Oh, that's great. All right. So. Sorry, I muted myself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tear this and throw it on your shirt. Yeah, I just want to see what it would do. All right. I know it's really sticky. Yes, someone come up here. See that I'm struggling. Can you cut duct tape, pull duct tape well? All right, go stand over there and keep pulling me duct tape. All right. How much do you need? I need about 10. Okay. I have one minute. All right, so. Can I go over a little bit? Is that okay? Um, while we're doing this. Let's give it up for Ghislaine, the, qu the queen of object lessons. That was the worst piece of tape you've done. No, hold on. Just. All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right, all right, all right. All right. Now, give me that and go sit down. Oh, Thanks. All right, we'll take the roll. All right, so here's what will happen. You innately carry the glory of God. You were made in his image and the devil hates you. So what does he try and get you to do? He gets um, um, ideas in your head, and I'm gonna have Padre come in and talk a little bit about this. Um, talking about how we partner with fear and disbelief and then we just believe lies. But um, maybe the enemy will come in and write 
worthless across you. Maybe he'll come in. Now this one, maybe be close to home. I'm just kidding. Maybe he might write idiot on there. Maybe he'll write failure. Okay. Maybe he might write alone. Okay. Maybe he might write too skinny or too fat. Maybe he write write that. Maybe he might write invisible and maybe he might write cheap. And so what happens, go ahead and stand up in that mirror. What happens is the enemy will plaster this all over your image, all over your thought process, all over your mind to that when you look in the mirror, you don't see the glory of God. You just see, oh, I'm cheap. So I'm just going to live my life like I'm cheap. So I can't really fulfill, you can turn around now, but um, I can't really fulfill any purpose because I'm a failure. Like I failed at this and everyone keeps calling me a failure. So that's my identity. I'm just going to become a victim to it. And now that's who I am. How many of you guys have met people? If it's you, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys have met people where they just have perpetrated um, a life of worthlessness where everything they do is like, oh, this is, I'm just worthless. I have no value. I have, okay. They're just committed to being a victim to their circumstance. All they've done is they believed a lie from the enemy and plastered it on them so that every time they turn around, every time they've looked in the mirror, they don't see the glory of God radiating, looking right back at them. That's, that's how we should be living our lives. We should be able to look in the mirror and say, I see Jesus. I see the Father. I see the Holy Spirit. But what happens is when we partner with the enemy, we look in the mirror and we don't see him. We see idiot. We see worthless. We see uh, I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. We see I'm alone. No one knows me. No one cares about me. No one sees the things that I do. Uh, there's no, you can go sit down. Thank you so much. Um, wow. Thanks Bean. Um, that's on the new, uh, Kanye line and it's coming out. It's going to be about five grand. Oh, it's ruined. Okay. All right. Um, so that when you look in the mirror, you don't see God's grand design. No, you, your, your design that was filled with purpose and passion, you now see the sum of all your mistakes, your failures, and your hurts. And you've now just bought them and put them in, branded yourself with these hurts because you've become a victim to your circumstance, okay? Um, so if there's ever been an impediment to fulfilling purpose, it's believing that you never had a shot to begin with. If the enemy can stop you before you even step foot into fulfilling purpose, if he can stop you when you look in the mirror and said, I could never even do that, then he's already won. If you can get past that first step, I can guarantee you, the first cut is the deepest. Okay, but the first step is the hardest. After that, it's like, oh, it's just one foot in front of the other. Okay, whatever. Um, so, wow, that's great. So, uh, let's talk about one person. Let's talk about Jesus. If there ever was a person that had the opportunity to allow hurt to become his identity, it was Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about four instances. Let's talk about Judas. Judas, one of the disciples, um, he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, right? Yep, okay. Uh, then let's talk about Peter. Peter denied him three times the night before he died after promising that he would follow Jesus to his death. He said, I'll be crucified right there with you. And then Jesus says, nah, get behind me, Satan. Like, 
you, you don't even know. You're going to deny me three times, all right? Um, and then let's talk about all the other disciples. Um, I think it's very rare that when we see Jesus giving um, a sermon, a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when he's giving a teaching, when he's talking about parables, when he's trying to just lead people into the kingdom, I think it's very rare that we see his disciples being like, yes, Jesus, I'm right there with you. And then this is how we're going to accomplish it. This is how it's going to happen. They're always asking us like, wait, I don't understand this. Who's going to be the number one in the kingdom? Is it me or is it John? And Jesus is just like, okay, you idiot. Just kidding. Um, no, but he's just like, okay, you guys keep missing the point. But they never got any like traction with him. Can you imagine like almost the frustration of Jesus? Like he's going to die and he's up there on the cross. And I know he's like, it's like, I ever wonder if he thought about this, of just being like, you know, I'm here. They still never got it. This is going to be an interesting time we have before us. We're going to see what happens. Um, but then let's talk about the father. The father couldn't even look upon his own son when he's hanging on the cross as he's naked, beaten beyond um, any sort of recognition. And he's just covered with shame and sin and guilt. And the father like turns his back on him because he can't look at it. Like the father and sin can't coexist. So when Jesus became the embodiment of sin, by definition, the father had to turn his back because God's holy and he can't stand there. So when he's crying out, my God, why have you forsaken me? This wasn't a cry of like, oh, I'm feeling bad. The father forsook Jesus. God had to turn his back on Jesus because of what Jesus bought, what Jesus took on him. You've got to understand this isn't just like um, hyperbole. Why have you forsaken me? Like this is, God, you've forsaken me. Again, I, I'm covered with sin and I'm covered with shame. And so in that moment, it, Jesus had every opportunity to just be like, well, my disciples never got it. One of my best friends sold me for 30 pieces of silver. The guy who um, I really had a heart after, who we just walked on the water together, has just denied that he even knows me three times. And then the almighty father who I've been with for a millennia before, for billions of years, I've been at his right hand and I got sent down here to try and save humanity and he's turned his back on me. This sucks. I'm a failure. I haven't done anything right. I haven't accomplished anything that I said I was going to do. I didn't bring down the kingdom. I didn't do any of this stuff. I'm just a failure and I've missed the mark. Jesus had every opportunity in that moment to take on a victim mindset and partner with the lies of the enemy. But he didn't. He was so adamant to look in the face of every single one of these flaws, every single one of these hurts. And he still had the audacity to say, dad, even though you're not with me right now and you turned your back, dad, don't hold it against them. They don't know what they're doing. He's so confident in who he is that he knows that whatever circumstance that surrounds him, it's not gonna define what's in him. Whatever's on him, whatever sin and shame that the enemy and that he willingly heaped on himself, it's never gonna define or diminish the glory that the father had already put inside of him. And that's the sort of grit that you and I are commissioned to walk in, that it's not just this, oh, here's this opportunity for you. It's a commission from the father to walk in the same nature nature is Jesus to have that true grit and be like, I'm never going to be a victim to my circumstance. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know whose glory I carry. And when you have that sort of tenacity, nothing can get on you. 
nothing can get on you. Every single one of those pieces of tape that Isaac would have had, as soon as the enemy slaps it on, that's not me. I'm going to look back at that mirror and I'm going to see the glory of God radiating from my face because that's the promise that the father said I could have. So also when, when we say this things of like Jesus had every opportunity to, to be offended and to um, become a victim to his circumstance, that's not um, me saying he had it worse than you get over it. I'm not invalidating your hurts. I'm not saying that what you guys have gone through isn't painful and it doesn't suck sometimes. I'm saying this because he showed a perfect picture of how even if things look horrible and horrible things have happened to you, you can still rise above it through the Holy Spirit and refuse to be a victim to a circumstance. He's telling you that you don't have to succumb to it, that whatever is trying to get on you doesn't have to get in you. It can't diminish the glory that's in you if you refuse to partner with it, okay? So I'm gonna leave you with a quote from Maddie Montgomery, okay? Uh, It's just an inside joke, guys. You don't have to leave it, just lane. All right, um, I'm gonna leave you with a quote from Maddie Montgomery. All right, he said, we will never heal if we let hurt become our identity. You will never heal if you let hurt become your identity. So I think a lot of times we could be asking the father, Jesus, will you, or God, will you, would you heal me from this? Like I have this pain inside, like why do I feel this way? Heal me from this. And it's not that he's withholding healing, but he's just asking for your agreement. I think um, emotional healing, and this isn't to diminish like counseling or even trauma, um, because all that is real and the Holy Spirit can undo all of that in a moment. But I think sometimes um, emotional discord isn't just waiting on this grandiose healing, but it's just waiting on our agreement to come out of victim mindset and just into purpose. It's coming out of, I can't believe this has happened to me, into, hey, that happened to me. God, would you tell me who I am again? That's trying to get on me again. I, I need you to tell me who I am again. And that, and I'm not saying that that can happen just in, at like one time and then it's done. I can't tell you the amount of times where I feel like I keep coming back to this. And then I keep coming back to this like, God, I need you to talk to me again. Tell me what you say about me. You've got to wash this off. I don't want to partner with this. Help me partner with you. Help me partner with truth, right? God, thank you for the ability to choose victim or being a son and daughter. The two are definitely mutually exclusive because you don't want a son or a daughter being a victim. You don't raise victims. There's no room for victims in your house. And that's not saying we're kicked out, but it's just saying that's not what you create. You don't create victims. You create sons and daughters built for and from purpose. 
God, I ask that you would give us boldness and a tenacity to refuse to become victims to our circumstance and that we would understand the glory that is housed in us and that everything we do releases that glory into everyone around us. That when we look into the mirror, we would see confidently the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit looking back at us saying, well done, good and faithful son and daughter. Now go and show my radiance to the world. God, I ask that every person we come in contact with would see the glory radiating from us, that they wouldn't see a victim, um, just a slave to their circumstances. Give us boldness, give us tenacity, and give us wisdom to know how to navigate situations. And thanks for your Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth and to all wisdom. Thank you that wisdom stands at every gate. And that we don't have to go blindly into the unknown without your guidance and without your um, companionship. In Jesus' name, so be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Illuminate Student Ministries. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Illuminate Knox.